0: Welcome welcome to The Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics, examining the Word of God and focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. We follow their example, and we take a deeper look into their service to the Kingdom of God and to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. We believe that by doing this, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one man created. Man-made religion won't do us any good at any time, but especially not now. The church age is is not over, no matter what anybody tells you. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. Now, if you know that, if you believe that, and you want more, more in your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus, and you want more of everything he offered, then you are welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, glad to answer them. Go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button or email us directly at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, we hope that you will and appreciate each and every one who does. Go to firefalltalkradio.com, there are ways to do that on the main page. And again, if you need more information, just let us know. We appreciate you. We thank you for being a listener from all the various streaming platforms. Wherever you're from, make sure you subscribe and you know when a new podcast, Bible study, testimony, whatever goes up. If you need prayer, we want to pray for you. If you want to pray for others, we would love to have you. Just let us know. Contact us. Reach out to us. We can be found on social media on Facebook. Instagram, and X, formerly known as Twitter. If you want to be a part of our area of support for Firefall and especially for SRT, the team and their families, let me know. I'll plug you in. And I'm also going to personally ask for prayer for some recent impending expenses. Um, it just gets crazy how expensive things are these days. So if you'd like to pray for that, for God to be a blessing. Um, we would appreciate it. Start out praise reports and prayer request. Don't ever enter his presence, no matter when, no matter why, without praising him. So we praise him. Praise him for being our Abba Father, for being the great I am. We praise him for everything he's done for us, his love for us. I praise him for my home, my wife, my family, my furry kids, all the possessions I have, all the technology in this room. I praise him for my salvation, which none of those other things would matter without that, for being born again, spirit-filled, uh, called and chosen. I praise him for his protection that he offers to us, for him to allow me to work his ministry for him. I praise him for the dreams and the visions and all the things over the years that he has shown me, especially now. I'm in another period of dreams and visions. I praise him for his healing virtues. They're always available to us. And I do know that he will heal as it glorifies him within his purposes. Maybe you're going through something. You don't understand why. There's a lesson in it. And on the other side of it, you'll know what that is. So just praise him no matter what, praise him. Praise him for being able to praise him, that you know him. I praise him for being renewed in mind and body and spirit, being being a new creation. I praise him for the signs. Oh boy, the signs of the times are everywhere. It tells me he's getting ready. He's getting ready to return. Creation is groaning for the return of the king, and so am I, by the way. So I'm going to praise him for the coming kingdom, for the new Jerusalem and for all that goes with it, so let's pray. We're going to pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm one twenty-two verses six through eight. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I'm sorry. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace. Be within you. While I was praying, I started to see the faces and the pictures of the children that have been kidnapped and all the victims of this recent demonic attack on Israel. So keep them in prayer. I pray for the fatherless and the widows and the innocents, the the martyrs, the victims of injustice. We live in a fallen world under the control of Hasatan and the fallen. So there's evil in this world and, and bad things happen. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in me, in my wife, my family, in each and every one of you, that we get back to our divine design, to how he designed us to be, not how our ancestry or our personal choices or the environment, no, no, no. I pray every day, on that, every time that fourth day comes along and that new cell is created that it be according to His design, not according to the prior cell. I pray for healing right now in each and every one of you who are sick. In the name of Yeshua, be healed, be whole. Pray for protection, that Psalm 91 covering. His angels to guard us, to lift us up lest we dash our foot against the stone. I praise Him for inspiration, divine, Holy Spirit, inspiration for the remnant to wake up. And I know that's all of you, So, but maybe you know others who are part of the remnant. and Invite them to come along with us, for them to rise up too, that we answer the call to action. The time for complacency and looking the other way and doing nothing has long been over, but now is. I pray for those who are called to bless, to be a blessing. There is no manna from heaven anymore. The Lord doesn't just drop things from the sky. He expects the ones he's blessed to bless others. Be a flow, a conduit of that. And I believe that when you do that, he keeps flowing through you. I pray for faith-filled prayers. One can put a thousand to flight. Just think what our combined prayers can do to the armies of darkness and to the things in this world. Because of that, I pray protection and covering over us during this supernaturally active time. It's a dangerous time. It's a dark time. The enemy knows it, and they're doing what the enemy does. We know it, so we should do the same. We should push back. We should take a stand. And when having done all, to stand. It's time to be more aggressive against the schemes of the fallen, to be confident and, and filled with his power, and to do what he said to do, to occupy, to go, get people saved, healed, and delivered. I'm praying for edification. That's the building up of us from the inside out, encouragement, for the fire of the Holy Spirit to be there at all times. It's always there. I'm tired of seeing people say, oh, Holy Spirit, fill the room. No, he's going to fill you. And if you want more, then just ask for more taking down principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, stopping the gospel, stopping people from making Yeshua, Jesus, Lord of their life. That's what spiritual warfare is for. Excuse me. Getting a little riled up here. Spiritual warfare isn't for anything else but the preaching of the gospel and declaring Yeshua as Lord for the kingdom of God to rise up. That we can operate efficiently in the calling, exposing the enemy, seeking the lost, helping the dying, those in bondage, and destroying the works of the enemy just as Yeshua did, just as the book of Acts church did. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. And we thank you. We thank you for loving us even when we were unlovable. We thank you for Yeshua we thank you for salvation. We thank you for doing what we could never do, Lord, for paying our debt. There would never been a, a we would never have been able to do it. We would have been condemned forever to eternal separation from our Father in heaven. Thank you for making sure that doesn't happen to us that we have access to the throne room that we have access to you, Lord. We never would have been holy enough, clean enough, righteous enough. So you said, here, here's my righteousness. Thank you for that. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who walks with us and encourages us and teaches us and points everything back to you, points everything back to the Word, living and written, never draws attention to himself. It's always about you. So we pray right now over the technology, over this time, over this Word, and we say, Holy Spirit, Have your way. Do whatever you want to do. In Yeshua's name, amen. Lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. All right, get those Bibles open. Didn't mean to jump on that last line there, but I'm I'm jacked up. I'm ready to go. Boom, boom, motors running. Get your motor running. Is that, is that a gospel song? It might be. We just made it one. Go with me to Matthew 16. We're going to pick up where we were last week. We're going to review. Remember we talked about who do you say he is? Verse 13, when Yeshua came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he asked them this important question. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter immediately answered and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Yeshua answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, Kepha, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Yeshua, the Messiah. We talked about the recognition of him came from the fruit of his actions, the signs of the Messiah, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. So it was the fruit that he produced that told everybody who he was. Well, guess what? That works the same for us too. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 43. Multiple thoughts here to look at. These are all red letters. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What do you say flows from what is in your heart? direct question. What does flow from within your heart? So it goes down, next section, verse 46. Now, when you listen to the section from 43 to 49, each thought builds, sets up the next thought, which is built on the, the prior thought. So there is a pattern A train of thinking here. The Lord never wasted words. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. You might want to highlight foundation on solid rock. rock. When the flood waters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground, without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it's collapse. It will collapse into a heap of ruins. Wow firm foundation, solid rock. Stand storm. Nothing's going to push it down. No foundation. Get wiped out. it collapses. Come to me, listen to me, We follow me. Come on, pattern of a believer here. Stop saying you believe in him, but you don't do what he says. I don't know if it frustrates him, but it drives me crazy. Bad fruit inspires bad fruit. Rotten fruit rots the fruit around it. Have you ever bought fruit in a bag from the supermarket and everything looks fine? And then you find one rotten piece, and the next thing you know, everything around it is rotten. It's contagious. We need to change that. Matthew 7, starting verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Many of the pulpits today. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, good tree bears good fruit, bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Same thoughts from before, but he takes it a little further. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Don't get fooled, so easily fooled. If what they say doesn't line up with the word, it's not from him. Bad fruit comes from bad trees. And bad trees grow fast and multiply, and the enemy plants bad trees and sells it to us like it's nothing. You need to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Stop being tricked by the glamorous and the the exciting and all the bells and whistles, the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the Lord, the example of the disciples, Then he's, same thoughts here, Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Hey, signs and wonders are great. Signs and wonders confirm the Word. If the Word's not being preached, and all there is is signs and wonders, and those signs and wonders promote the person doing them, they're not from Him. The power of the name of Jesus, the power of the name of Yeshua, is universal power. And those that wield it incorrectly, He will look at them and say, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness, which is sin, which is rebellion against the father and his will, this is the result of bad fruit from bad trees being sold to the church, sin and separation from the very Lord they claim to know and serve this was a difficult concept to me first when I got especially when I first got saved to think that there was so much hypocrisy and facade and and, uh, counterfeit goods being sold from the pulpits and the stages, from the TV screens, from the bookshelves. But it's a lesson once you learn it, you become attuned to it. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, in verse 24, and does them, I will liken to a wise man. Was its fall. His words are a sure foundation. They're a solid rock, both the living word and the written word. But I will tell you what it does. What that word does, it causes repentance. If I see no repentance, we all sin, we all make mistakes, we're still fighting our nature. But when I see no repentance, I begin to wonder, A, were you ever saved? Were you ever born again? B, if you were, somewhere along the line, you stopped listening to the Holy Spirit, and then he just went silent and backed away. Repentance is a change of mind leading to a change of action. Change of mind, change of action. It involves a sincere turning from sin to serve God, and it includes sorrow for and the confession of sin, where possible, restitution. Just saying I'm sorry is not enough. Sometimes we've got to make things right. Repentance, that gut-wrenching, heartbreaking feeling that not only did you mess up, but you let him down, and you hurt his heart. This weekend, next week, um, Halloween, there are going to be a lot of people that claim to know him and believe him who are going to break his heart. They're going to do what I don't understand. They're going to celebrate a holiday that belongs to the other guy. They're going to celebrate darkness. They're going to celebrate the supernatural, the occult, darkness, Oh, it's just candy and costumes. Richard, stop. No, 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 I won't stop because I know I grew up in it. It fed my bondage. It's a high holy day to the satanic. Don't do it. If you were planning on it, cancel those plans. Repent. Matthew chapter 3. Starting verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about, about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven with coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. He was very much like Elijah, dressed like him, spoke like him in the same area as well. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw how many Pharisees and Sadducees coming, when he saw many, I'm sorry, when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. If there is repentance, there is a visual change in somebody's life. See, John's message was focused on repentance and the coming kingdom of heaven. He was setting them up to receive Messiah. Yeshua when he began his ministry, he emphasized the same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Folks were watching the sign of the times, many of us believe we're not that far off. Repent. You don't know. You don't know if tomorrow's going to come for you. I don't know. Start your day in praise and prayer and repentance. End your day in praise and prayer and repentance. And maybe sometime during the day. Praise and prayer and repentance. And it's not very dramatic. It's not very wordy. You don't have to do all the hoo-ha in the shell. You know, Lord, I I messed up there. Please forgive me. Cover it up. Don't let the enemy... Use it or have access to me. See, the kingdom of God, his kingdom, is defined as the rule which God exercises through the person, work, and teachings of Yeshua. Not any man, not any organization or denomination or abomination. It is the teachings of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. And that call to repent, turn from you, t- turn, go in a different direction, change your mind, means we must abandon anything, any lifestyle that's sinful, and express sorrow for our sins. So John continued to rail against the Baptist, and not the Baptist. Maybe he could. That might have been a Freudian slip. There, forgive me. Didn't mean to do it. <laughs> Didn't mean to do it. John the Baptist continued to rail against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Just as the owner of an orchard would take the axe to barren trees and toss them into the fire, so too God will punish those who should have been producing good fruit and were rotten. They fail to produce fruit consistent with repentance They are discarded. I know that sounds harsh, but he is a holy God. He's given us his rules, his guidelines, the the way he wants us to live. And in the teaching of John and Yeshua, fruit represents good works that result from a miraculous inner transformation. It produces action. That's what those words mean actions. Your actions indicate that there has been a miraculous inner transformation. I've shared the story a number of times over the last week, and, and I know you've heard me talk about it. But, you know, when I got saved in October of 1988, and I went back to New York, and I was different. I didn't tell anybody. They just knew it when I went to visit My mother in her apartment, my sister was there, and I was trying to explain to her what happened, and she didn't get it. She couldn't see it. Finally, my sister spoke up, and she goes, I don't know how you don't see it. This is not my brother. Whoever this is is a completely different person, and she meant it in a good way. And then I would go into the city to do what I was doing and beat, meet people and bump into them on the streets. And, every, you know, a lot of people said, hey, man, there's something different about you. Do you lose weight? One guy actually said to me, did you get a facelift? Yeah. Facelift by the Holy Spirit. And I began to tell him what happened to me. How some people received it. Wow, man, that's great for you. I don't know if my word's planted anything. I don't know. I just know his word does not return void. And every opportunity I got and still get, I make sure people know that I am the way I am because of Yeshua. Do you have that? Do people know that you know Yeshua? Matthew 13, verse 18 letters, Lord speaking. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately rejoices, receives it with joy. yet has no root in him. No root in himself, endures only for a while, and I've met a lot of people like that. For when tribulation comes or for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitful of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And, and I've heard so many, oh, the hundredfold blessing, the sixtyfold. No, no, no. He's talking about fruit. He's talking about showing something in your life that you've heard the word and you understood it. Hear, understand, produce good fruit. There's patterns throughout the Bible. There's patterns in His Word. There's examples in everything He said and did. There was no wasted action. There was no wasted word. Everything had a purpose. Every encounter, every experience. Let's talk about one of those encounters. In John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. Starting verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Yeshua made baptized more disciples than John, and though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sikar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Yeshua, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Now the sixth hour is about noon, the heat of the day. And Yeshua said to her, give me drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Yeshua answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is, who says to you, Give me drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. woman well, we didn't understand what he was saying. So you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Yeshua answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. But you know what? He completely ignores what she says. And Yeshua said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. And Yeshua said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. I think she's still being a little defensive, but that's okay. That's about to change. And Yeshua said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Yeshua said to her, I who speak to you am he. All this woman did was to go to get water in the heat of the day. Everybody else has gone earlier in the day when the sun isn't up, but she's been rejected. And what does she do? She meets Yeshua. And what does she do? She runs into the city to tell the very people who had rejected her, wanted nothing to do with her, that she has met Messiah. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And then they said to the woman, listen to this. They said to the woman, now we believe. Not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This section of John chapter 4 verses 1 to 42, is so powerful and so important to us as believers. He sends his disciples away because they're going to interfere with what he's doing. And he sits down at the well. You see, he has a divine appointment coming. And I will tell you this, he will make time for you. And this unnamed Samaritan woman comes to Jacob's well at noon, the heat of the day, to avoid the other women who come early in the morning. She's rejected because she's been married five times. Now she's living with a man not even married to. And Yeshua doesn't shun her. He already knows this. And he asks her for a drink. But then offers her something better living waters, a relationship with him to replace the water of Jacob's well, which represents tradition and religion. So many people are so thirsty out there right now because they've been drinking from the wrong well. And because the woman didn't understand the meaning of living water, the Lord turned the conversation towards her need as a sinner. And he did it through revelation knowledge. You see, the rabbis of that day permitted two, maybe three divorces at most. (laughs) Where they came up with that, I don't know. But this woman had exceeded that, was now living in adultery, unmarried to her present partner. But through the gift of the spirit of revelation knowledge, he tells her what he knows about her. And that's when she realizes he's a prophet. But her heart realizes something else. Her heart recognizes him to be the Messiah that she's been waiting for. She's not a Jew, she's a Samaritan, and she's waiting for Messiah. There are people out there, they're not Christians, they're not. They're waiting for Messiah. And she runs, she runs to town. To tell the people who rejected her, come meet him, know him, accept him. He gave her a gift, and she wanted to give that gift away because salvation is a gift from Yeshua, from the Messiah, the Son of God. It's a gift. It's not yours to hoard it to hold on to. It's been you give it away. And, and notice this that the Lord asked the woman to receive him and his gift without any prerequisite to change in her life. Because he knew that once she believed, her way of living would change. You can't clean the fish before you catch it. He will change them. The Spirit will convict them. But this, there's one section I love. I love the whole thing, but I love this one part because I see it visually. In verse 28, the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then they went out of the city and came to him. And I don't think that Could this be the Messiah was as much a question as it was a statement, but here's the thing. She left her water pot. She left the weight that she was carrying and ran to the village to tell others. Come and see, she said. Come and see. How can you not do that? She risked rejection. She risked ridicule. She shouldn't have been talking to the men in first place because they were probably all married. Come and see. Yeshua said, Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him and even her, I will confess before my father, who is in heaven, but whoever denies me before men he will i I will also deny before my Father, who is in heaven. you stand before him, great white throne. The Father looks down and is ready to judge you, and he says, "Wait, this one's mine name written in my book here, and then there're going to be others. That just before judgment, the Father's going to look over and the Lord's going to shake his head. I don't know this one. See, Peter knew what he knew about Yeshua being the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, by divine revelation given to him by the Father. The Samaritan woman knew who he was by what? Divine revelation. When you get saved, when you decide you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, when you decide you need, you realize and are willing to confess, I need a Savior that will come from within, that won't come from your mind. It will come from your heart. See, salvation is necessary. No one is good. No, not any We cannot be judged by our actions or our works or by the law. Scripture stresses that fallen human beings are cut off from God on account of their sin. All need to be saved. All need to enter into a new relationship with God as their creator and redeemer through his Son. Salvation is not a result of human achievement, of privilege or wisdom. It depends totally upon the graciousness of a loving God, which is expressed in the cross of Yeshua the Messiah. People, everyone has to respond in repentance and faith if they're going to benefit from his offer of salvation. An offer given to all that must be accepted, to spend eternity with Him. Somebody asked me last week, why do I need a Savior? Why do I even need a Messiah? Well, 613 aspects or laws in the Mosaic Law, you fail in one, you fail in all, all, nobody's going to qualify. It took the blood of the unblemished Lamb to do that. Isaiah 64, verse 6, But we are all like an unclean rag, unclean things, and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Yeah, your sin's taking you away from him. Paul echoes that in Romans 3, starting verse 19, Now that we, we know that whatever the law says, It says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of god through faith in jesus the messiah to all and on all who believed on all who believe there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god there is no one not one who is righteous on their own without yeshua Nobody, I don't care who they are, without Yeshua, they will be judged. He can't do anything but that. He's a righteous and a holy God. And without the blood, without the Lamb's blood on your name, without the Lamb's blood on your life, you have chosen the law for your judgment ephesians two verse one, and he and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in once you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Messiah. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, unmerited favor. How could you not say, come and see? Come and see the one, what he did for me. Instinctively, just as I did when my knees hit that altar. We know we need a Messiah. It's born into us. We know that we were born into sin because of Adam's sin. We just know it. And the enemy knows it. And the enemy does all that they can to keep us from seeking the truth, to keep us from hearing the truth, to keep us from understanding the truth, and to keep us from choosing the truth. John 8, verse 31. Then Yeshua said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave of sin does not abide in the house forever, but a son, a child, abides forever. Therefore, if the son, capital S, makes you free, you are free indeed. No question, you're free. I'm free. I'm free of the darkness. I'm free of the demonic possession. I'm free of the sins and the bad choices and the things that were passed down to me. I'm free of the things that I did because of him, not because anything I did or could have done. Later on in John fourteen six, the Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Except through me. No one. And I know this gets people upset. He said it. Take it up with him. I'm just telling you what he said. He is the way. The truth. And the life. And no one. Comes to the father. Except through him. He's the door. He's the gate. He's the pathway. To Salvation is the pathway to an eternity with your Creator, with your Abba Father. No one comes to the Father except by Him. No ritual, no religion, no idol, nothing but Jesus, nothing but Yeshua. Let me say this, if you know Him, I mean if you know Him, you're inspired to let others know about him like the woman at the well. You don't want to keep that to yourself. The, the disciples didn't. Every chance they got, everything they did was about making sure people knew who Yeshua was. In Acts chapter 4, starting verse 5, after they'd been Peter and John have been arrested and they come before the Sanhedrin. And there's Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, the one who participated in the crucifixion, and John and Alexander, who were of the family of the high priest. They're all gathered together in Jerusalem, pompous, high and mighty, blah, 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 blah. Got to bleep all that out. Didn't bleep anything, but you know what I mean. John called them what they were they were snakes. And when they set John and Peter in their midst, they ask him, By what power or by what name have you done this? Remember, they healed the man at the gate, beautiful. Now Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, which what upper room, Holy Spirit, just like he did on the day of Pentecost, he opens his mouth and the Spirit puts the words in. Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed, tun- done to a helpless man, by what means he's been made well, then let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole." This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, and nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. You tell him, Peter. Filled with the Spirit, speak the word at all costs. Be ready in season and now to give a defense of the hope that you have. But you cannot know him without being born again, born from above. And if you are born again, your life shows it. 1 John 5.18, we know absolutely, amplified, we know absolutely that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. But the one who is begotten of God carefully watches over and protects him. Messiah's divine presence within him preserves him against evil, and the wicked one does not lay hold, get a grip on him, or touch him. If you're born again, you do not deliberately sin. And I will tell you, if you do, presumptuous sin is sinning. When you know it's a sin, you are fair game to the enemy. The enemy looks up and says, this one is mine. And you can't do anything about it. And as long as you've not repented, he can't and he won't. I don't think he allows them to kill you. That's just, I'm not saying that's theologically based. because Some people do die because they let the enemy have access to them. But why would you want to? Why would you want to test the theory? You produce good fruit. And when you do, that means you are convinced of the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through Him. First John goes on in verse 19. We know positively that we are of God, and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. We have seen and know positively that the Son of God has actually come to this world and given us understanding and insight to perceive, recognize, and come to know listen look at that perceive recognize, come to know better and more clearly Him who is true. We are in Him who is true in his Son. Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah, this man is the true God and life eternal. So where this all started, I gotta ask you a question. Do you know him? Does the fruit of your life show that you've been that you've repented and been changed? Oh, you can wear all the Christian T-shirts and the lapel pins and the, whatever jewel you've got around your neck to make sure they know who you are. But without any of that, would they know? Would they know by the way you behave, by the the way you act? I I used to do that. I used to wear the Christian T. I would. That was my identity, and I wanted people to know who I was. And there was one time in Tallahassee, I had dropped somebody off at the airport. And I'm coming out of the airport, and some guy cuts me off and triggers that old nature, that New New Yorker inside of me, and I want to catch up to him and cut him off and tell him what I think about what he just did. And I hear the Lord say, Oh, yeah, that's going to look real good when you get out of the car with that shirt you're wearing. (laughs) And I look down, and I'm wearing a Christian T-shirt. He was warning me I was about to make a bad witness. And I had a laugh. He was right. It would not have been a good witness. It would have been bad fruit. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. Paul says at the church in Thessalonica, we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning... Chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Your life is a testimony to the truth. Never forget that. I saw this quote today by John Stott, who's an English, Anglican priest and theologian. He said, so much so-called testimony today is really autobiography. And even sometimes thinly disguised self advertisement, that we need to regain a proper biblical perspective. All true testimony is testimony to Jesus Christ as he stands on trial before the world. Your testimony is about him and what he's done for you. People want to know is he real? What has he done for you? And then John saw one to tell a story. He heard Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And he said this scripture struck him. This is what he said. Here then is the crucial question which we've been leading up to, have we ever opened our door to Christ? I'll, I'll use it the way he wrote it. Have we ever invited him in? That was exactly the question which I needed to have put to me. For intellectually speaking, I had believed in Jesus all my life. On the other side of the door, I had regularly struggled to say my prayers through the keyhole. I'd even pushed pennies under the door in a vain attempt to pacify him. I had been baptized, yes, and confirmed as well. I went to church, read my Bible, had high ideals, tried to be good and do good. But all the time, often without realizing it, I was holding Christ at arm's length, keeping him outside. I knew that to open the door might have momentous consequences. I am profoundly grateful to him for enabling me to open the door. Looking back now over more than 50 years, I realize that simple step has changed the entire direction, course, and quality of my life. Open the door. Open the door to the fullness of a relationship with Yeshua as Messiah. Know him. In heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, know Him. And remember, your repentance and salvation is a testimony to God's grace and the reality of Yeshua as the Messiah. If you do, no one will ever ask, do you know Him? They will ask you to introduce them to Him. And then you can say, Come and see. Lord, how awesome you are. Right now, Holy Spirit, inspire all of us, me included, all of us to be so full of love and admiration and appreciation that like that woman at the well, we would run to people and say, come and see, that we would not stay silent. To a lost and dying world. Come and see. That our love for you would shine out from the pores of our body and through our eyes. If the eyes are the windows of the soul, what should come out is you. Your glory, your light, your love. Come and see. Help us, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. Let us be what you need us to be in this dark hour. Let us have the fullness of who we are. So like John Stott could say, after 50 years of knowing you, that that entire step of opening the door and letting you in changed his entire life and the quality of his life. I pray if you have not let him in, that you would do so right now. You would open the door and say, come in. Come in, Lord Jesus. Come in, Yeshua. Live in me. Live in my heart. Live in my life. And help me, strengthen me, encourage me to say, come and see. I know him. I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.